Living Life Point, stand to our feet. Let's worship Jesus this morning. Now the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. Our creation waits with an expectation. this morning that Jesus has overcome the grave, that death is dead. You know, it may not feel 
like that at times, but it's the truth that we have to remember. You may feel like you're defeated today. Some of you just fought some of the biggest battles this last week. But what we do know, uh, here at LifePoint, we believe that every word that comes from God's word, the Bible, is true. We know that our God is not a liar. He is not a tease. Uh, he is absolutely truthful and good. And so today, let me read this over you. It comes from Psalm 27, and I think it's really great uh, news for us to read and to remember that God is with us right now. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his, in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Let that be our heart's posture today. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, oh God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. Some of, some of you feel that way. And you have that story. Your father and your mother have forsaken you. But know this, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This passage of scripture is all about the presence of God and the blessings of his presence. We need to know the blessing of his presence. What do we know, church, right now he is here with us. So no matter what you feel like today, there is a greater truth that supersedes your feelings. And your faith is founded in Jesus and Jesus alone. If it's not, you're gonna continue to be an anxious person. You're gonna continue in the patterns that haven't got you far in this life, but if you cling to Jesus, the blessing of his presence is so, so amazing. Can I get an amen for those who agree? Let's pray, Jesus, open our eyes by your Holy Spirit. Allow us to see that you are all that you say you are. 
I pray, God, that we would trust you for every word that you've spoken. I pray, God, that the cynic would be quieted today because of your revealing of truth to them. I pray, God, for those who are doubting. God, I pray that you would come and prove your truth of who you are. For those who are sick, God, would you reveal yourself as healer? God, for those who are just barely hanging on, God, would you lift them up by the power of your right hand? Today we worship you and only you. You have our attention. You have all of our affection, God. It is all for you. There's no one else that deserves the highest praises. No one else that deserves all of the glory except you, Jesus Christ. And so today we sing and we give it all to you. Lord, we love you. Teach us how to love you more. Teach us how to live out this faith that you've called us to and to believe this relationship that we are founded in. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this together. My hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest hope is built. Cool. 
Jesus, we are hidden in you for those who believe in your name, in your blood that has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We are hidden in you. Nothing can take us away from you, Jesus. Nothing. Whatever we did this past week cannot take us away from you. So, Lord, today we stand here in confidence knowing that you're our shield before us, knowing that you're our healer. God, I pray that you would meet with us today. Speak to us through your word. We're here for you and you alone. It's in your name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, you may be seated. What if the fighter didn't get up? What if you didn't introduce yourself? What if you didn't say yes to him? What if you didn't go to that school? What if you turned down that job? What if the gospel never made it past the apostles? What if you never decided to come to church? Could you just imagine if you didn't take whatever next step God had for you, where would you be in your life now? Do you think you would be farther along in your walk with God at this point? Whatever your next step is, you have a choice. Do you take it or not? If God is moving you to something, we want to walk through that with you and encourage you to take that next step and see what God wants to do in your life. So glad to have you today. So good to have you today. Lots of new and exciting things are happening at LifePoint. Today is sort of the first Sunday after school started, so it's back to school, back to church. It's re-engagement, which is exciting for us. Your summer has been chaotic. You've been everywhere. Uh, you've been doing everything. And today, man, it's time to re-engage, and we're so glad you're here. And so uh, you just saw a video about next steps. Uh, some of you are new to LifePoint. Others of you have been here for a long time. Wherever you are on that spectrum or that journey, Man, we've got another step for you to take. And if you receive this, I hope you receive this little uh, brochure when you came in this morning. You open that up, and it's got a lot of next steps, a lot of classes. It's got classes uh, for, you know, baptism. What does that mean? It's got classes for membership. It's got, if you want to take apologetics, learn how to defend your faith, we've got classes for that. Theology. It's got classes for singles. It's got classes for dinks. You know, it's dual income, no kids. Uh, it's got classes for uh, elderly folks. It's got all kind of classes in your 
year. So just take this, uh, look at it, uh, sing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, preschoolers, mothers of preschoolers, a lot of different stuff. So, man, if you uh, are interested in the next step, we want to help you take it. So please look at this and, uh, and, and jump in wherever you can, all right? So, uh, man, also you received hopefully this when you came in. Now, the front of that is just some other stuff we have going on. Uh, we would invite you to look at that, but also go to our app. We have a LifePoint Church app, and we would love for you to download that on your iPad or your smartphone. Uh, you can always keep up with what's going on. Stuff uh, is going on all the time. Uh, yesterday, man, we had a men's conference. We had a golf tournament. We have fishing tournaments all the time. We have, I mean, we have single, we, we have all kind of stuff going on. You can always find it on our app. You can find it on our website at lifepointchurch.org. So go there and look for what's going on. The back of that card or the front of it, whichever you prefer to call it. I don't even know which is the front or the back. This side of it is for all you guests. If you're a guest, we are delighted to have you. We would love to have this information. I promise we won't stalk you. I promise we're not going to give you information for people. Uh, to people, we just want to know you're here. We want to know how we can pray for you. Uh, we want to know what we can do. Please let us know that. If you'll put it in the offering at the end of the message, we're going to take up an offering. Uh, that's when our members, those who call this place home, regular attendees, they'll give their tithes and offerings. You give us this. You can come back to us at the Pastors Connection in this area, and we will give you a small gift. All right? Uh, it's not much. It'll, uh, you know, just enough to make you mad. But it's a it's a gift to let you know how thankful we are that you're here today. All right? As I said, a lot of new and exciting things going on, so I want to introduce you to some folks right now. I've got some friends coming out that are very important to LifePoint that I want to introduce you to, okay? And so we have actually, uh, they keep on coming. We've got a lot of different people uh, coming out. And so uh, so first off, let me introduce you to this, this, this uh, brood right here, all right? These are the Garretts, all right? This is Ryan Garrett and his wife, Megan Garrett. And this is Lily. This is Lily here, uh, this is Lucy, and this is Eli. All right, now, you're going to get to know them really good. You're going to be seeing a lot of them because today, uh, Ryan starts serving as our brand new lead student minister here at LifePoint, all right? And so uh, I know you're excited. Yeah, woo, get, get excited about that. So they just moved up from Atlanta. Matter of fact, Lily, come here. Let me, let me show me your shirt. First day and look at her shirt. Follow me to Tennessee. I love it, don't you? That's awesome. And so... Uh, uh, God's going to do some great things through this family here. God's already been doing a lot of great things. He's uh, served uh, uh, as a, a student pastor for many years at, at a couple of different churches and whatnot. And, and so, but Megan, his wife, uh, I want you to, to know uh, what her, she's also in ministry, does ministry. Uh, and uh, I told the first service, she's, she's, you know, in a small struggling band uh, called Casting Crowns. So if you know of Casting Crowns, she is the female voice in Casting Crowns. So she will be gone some Sundays, and that's an extension of our ministry now as you're going to be praying uh, for Megan and praying for her as she's ministering all over our country and all over our world. They've even been to North Korea. And you know what? I mean, not, not many people get into North Korea, right? Dennis Rodman casting crowns, right? And so that's a good thing uh, that, that they went. I don't know about Dennis Rodman, but it's a good thing that they went. So, so you're going to be getting to know them a little bit, and we're excited to have you guys and look forward to what God's going to do. Students, you're 
student Wednesday nights, uh, Ryan's first Wednesday night here. And so you're going to want to be here, man. We're going to blow it out. You're going to hear from him. We're going to have snow cones and cotton candy and all that kind of stuff. I'm staying. So you're going to want to bring a friend. And, man, adults, you can come too if you want to. I don't know. Bring a friend. And they introduce something Wednesday night. If a student brings a guest, first-time guest, uh, they, get a, they get to pull a key out of a deal and, and try to unlock a door. And if their key fits that, then both the guest and the person who brought them uh, gets a pretty cool gift. So I'm thinking about bringing a guest to student ministry myself. So that I get a shot. So students, bring somebody with you, all right? So this is the Garretts, all right? You're going to get to know them. Now, this is the Focos family, all right? And uh, this is George and Valerie, uh, and they, their son, Pavlos, Paul, uh, Ma uh, Mateos, their other brother you've met, and Stefano, Stephen, who's here as a part now. He's one of our interns, but they're part of our LifePoint Brussels campus. Now, George is Greek. Uh, he is from Athens, uh, grew up around Athens. Uh, Valerie uh, moved to Athens. She was born in, in Brussels, moved to Athens, uh, and lived there for 20 years or so. 40 years? 40 years. You're not, are you 40 years old? I'm a charmer, aren't I? Uh, so uh, she, she lived there for 40 years, and they sort of met, and, I, you know, God blessed her or cursed her. I'm not sure which. But, uh, but listen, these are, when I go to Brussels, this family, man, they are, they, they, they take care of me, all right? And they take care of me. When you go to his house, have you ever seen the movie Big Fat Greek Wedding? That's his house, all right? And, and I'm telling you, it's oppa, it's, 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 it's all the time. And so, but uh, huge leaders and man, they're very important to us. And so I'm going to have George to pray in, 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 in Greek, all right? And that sounds sort of like Paul sp spoke, all right? And then Valerie's going to translate. Are you going to do, uh, are you going to do French? And is Pablo's going to do English? Okay. All right, Paul, are you, are you up for that? You can, won't you do Dutch? No, okay. All right, so, uh, so George is going to pray in Greek. She's going to translate in French, and, he's gonna, and Pavlos is going to translate in English. Go. As I said Λέει ότι είσαστε βασίλειο ιεράτευμα. Και το βλέπω αυτό. Αλληλούια. Κύριε, σε ευχαριστούμε για αυτό το βασίλειο ιεράτευμα που εσύ μας έχεις καλέσει. Αυτό το έχεις κάνει εσύ γιατί είναι δικιά σου χάρη. Αυτό το έχεις κάνει γιατί εσύ το διάλεξες. Δεν ήταν δικό μας έργο, αλλά είναι δικιά σου χάρη. Κύριε, Pneuma Agio Elaftis se kalume tora. Saint-Esprit, on te demande de venir parmi nous maintenant. Ostena milis mesa podopimena mas. So Holy Spirit, we come, we call, we, we call you now, so you come and talk through our pastor. Through our pastor. That's what I said. Afin que tu puisses parler par le biais de notre pasteur. 
και να, και να φυτέψει αυτό που εσύ θέλεις μέσα στην καρδιά μας. Et que ce que tu as à nous dire prenne racine dans notre cœur. Nous demandons cela au nom de Jésus. In Jesus name I ask. Et tout le monde dit ensemble. And all together we said. Amen. Amen. Oh wow. So Oh man, listen, what you just saw is what happens in, in Brussels every Sunday, all right? I mean, it is, it's wonderful. Go with me sometimes and I'll take you to the big fat Greek wedding, all right? So we'll have a great time. So God bless you guys. And Garrett, we're glad to have you guys here. And so, uh, new exciting stuff happening. You can see LifePoint, it's a great time to be a part of LifePoint. Every Sunday's a great Sunday. Okay. 
It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm 
with prayer and supplication may your requests be made known to the Lord and may his peace come upon you God bless you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you Today's a good Sunday because we're starting a brand new series today. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about three emotions that are silent killers. Uh, we're going to be talking about anxiety, 
stress, worry, anxiety today. We're going to be talking about anger next week. So, man, if you have a problem with anger, if you know someone has a problem with anger, now there's a couple of different kinds of anger. There's righteous anger. I wish more people had righteous anger, but there's also unrighteous anger, all right? And some of us need to get a hold of that, right? And so understand what that means and why do I get angry and why do I get anxious and, and then unforgiveness. And I think these things are killing people, sucking the soul out of, our, of, our, uh, of us, really, sucking the life out of our soul. And so we're going to be dealing with these. There's a lot more, but I think these three take up so much space in our head and we're going to deal with them. We're going to kick things off today by talking about anxiety, okay, and, and, and worry. Now, listen, a little bit of worry ain't bad, all right? Uh, I mean, a little bit of worry ain't bad. It shows you're alive, right? I mean, it shows that you care. You got to worry about someone, really. You got to, I mean, if someone's child is sick in the hospital and they're not concerned at some level, you got you to worry about that person, right? So a little bit of worry ain't bad. But the problem is, we don't worry a little, we worry a lot. And, and, and that's killing us, okay? And, and so how many of you today would say uh, that, you know, worry is on replay in my life? I mean, it just sort of hangs on me like a bad suit. It's like a bad habit. I can't kick it. I mean, uh, how many of you would say that? Raise your hand, all right? You got worry, all right? Now look around. Keep your hands up. Look around. Now what I want you to know is you're not alone. For one thing, I want you to know a couple things. You're not alone. People struggle with worry. Now, when you looked around and you saw people that didn't raise their hand, don't envy those people because they don't worry. Pray for them because they just lied, all right? So we all, we all worry, all right? And so, so uh, worry plays a huge role in our life. Now, what, as, as we get into this, I want to help you to understand a couple of different kinds of worry and a couple of different things because there's a sinful worry, right? I mean, there's a worry to where we overdo it and we're, we're consumed with worry. And according to that great theologian, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, uh, he says that research shows that people worry the most. People's number one fear is public speaking. People's number two fear is death. So if you think about that for a moment, that means that if you go to a funeral, you're better off being a man in a casket than a man doing a eulogy, right? I don't think too many of you are worried about public speaking. Number one, if you do it, you probably do it for a living in some kind of presentation or whatever. And if you don't, I'm, it's not like I'm going to come and ask you to preach. And So you're not worried about that because you're probably not going to do it. But death, that's a different story. I think death and a thousand other things have many of us just rolling up in, in fetal position crying for mama. Okay? And so, so we worry about a lot of things. We worry if you're married. Some of you worry about your marriage. Uh, if you're not married, you worry if I'm going to get married. You worry about your kids. Are they going to turn out okay? Uh, you know, uh, are you worried about, is anyone, is anyone mistreating my children? You worry about money. If you don't have it, am I ever going to have it? If you got it, am I going to lose it? I mean, you worry about your health. If you're healthy, it's like, great, I'm healthy, but I, am I ever going to get sick? If you're sick and you're not healthy, it's like, am I ever going to get healthy? You worry about your job. You know, this time of year where you start worrying about your fantasy football team, right? I mean, you worry about a lot of things. And worry can just begin to literally uh, we, we suck the life out of us. And here's the thing, we can manage a couple of these things, right? I mean, if you're worried about one or two things, you can manage that. But on most days, we're, we're just not worried about a couple of things. We're worried about a lot of things. And the cumulative effect begins to suck the life out of us. It begins to have this just adverse effect that just begins to destroy our, our, our perspective. It destroys our, our, our joy in life, our happiness. It, it really sucks the life out of our soul. I, I went on the internet this week and 
and I, I, or two weeks ago, and, and I Googled because I think, man, I'm, gonna, I'm doing research on anxiety and worry, and I, I wanted to know, because what, where is, where's the number one resource people go to today when they have an issue they want to know about any t- subject? Well, let's go to the WWW, right, the World Wide Web, which is, can be dangerous, all right? I mean, what you don't want to do is go to WebMD and begin to diagnose yourself. You don't want to, you know, believe, I don't know if you know this, but you can't believe everything on the World Wide Web, okay? But I went and I, I put in in Google, how to deal with anxiety. Get, I got over 303 million resources on Google. 303, everybody's got an answer. Everybody's got an answer for how you deal with worry and anxiety. You know what, I, I began to look, just look through some of them. What's out there, what's people offer? Some of them are uh, somewhat helpful, but I'm telling you what, folks, some of them are written by people with degrees that they forgot to pay their brain bill. I'm telling you, man. I mean, it, it's just absolutely sad what people put out there of ways of dealing with worry and dealing with anxiety. And so, you know, uh, when, we, when we go to the web, to the Google, to the, to the World Wide Web, we're going to get a lot of speculation on any subject. And you know what speculation is, right? Speculation is people's opinion. And everybody's got an opinion, right? And you just got to gotta really learn how to navigate people's opinions. And when, that's what speculation is. Even when just because someone has a, a title or a degree, you know, it doesn't mean they absolutely have a, a, an understanding about what they're talking about, okay? And so you've got to learn to wade through speculation. But what we're going to do is I don't want to really look at speculation because speculation is so dangerous. I, I want to look at revelation, you see, God's revelation is his word. God has something to say about worry and anxiety. God has something to say about stress, and, and, and he's not, uh, you know, he's just not uh, aloof to it. God's not up there going, why, you know, God knows that we worry, and so he helps us deal with it in his scripture because it's killing us. I don't know if you know this or not, but most, the, uh, the research shows that most of your visits to primary care physicians are stress and worry related. Did you know that? I mean, it causes, it causes headaches. It causes backaches. It causes ulcers. It causes depression. It causes insomnia. Now, you know what insomnia is, right? I mean, insomnia uh, is the, the, when you can't sleep. The, I have to explain those big words for those of you who, Ohio State fans who think Urban Meyer's innocent. So, so that's what that's for. And so listen, it, it causes a lot of problems with your, with, in your life, and it's killing us, all right? And so now I, I wanna, we're going to look today at what God's Word says about it. It's football season. Forgive me. I've got to have some fun. Here's what I want to I wanna do a disclaimer out, out of the gate, okay? I'm not going to deal with the clinical side of this today, really. There are physiological factors that are legit. Okay, there's some physiological factors because of sin. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, there are some physiological factors that, uh, that create some chemical imbalances within our brain, just like uh, there are factors that create rogue cells in your body and uh, you get viruses and all those kind of things. There are physiological factors that create chemical imbalances, imbalances that can lead to clinical anxiety disorders and clinical depression. I'm not going to deal with those today. I, I want you to know why, because I'm really not qualified to deal with those things, okay? I'm a pastor. I don't have psychologist in front of my name. I don't have psychiatrist. I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist. I'm not an LPC, which is a licensed practitioner. Counselor. I'm not even a good counselor, okay? 
Now, let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. I, I want you to trust your pastor. I, I'm not a good counselor. It doesn't mean I can't give you good biblical advice. I really can't, do believe I can give you good biblical advice, but I'm not a good counselor in that counselors like to, to, to listen and talk and let you talk and the therapy nature of that, and that's, that's very good. That's not, I, I, that's not the way I'm wired. I mean, I can generally pinpoint what's wrong with you in about 10 minutes and give you the remedy, okay? For instance... Okay, sir, the reason that you woke up in the back of an El Camino with nothing on but your boots and a bad tramp stamp is because you got drunk. Stop getting drunk, okay? I mean, that's the answer, all right? And so, you see, I'm not a great counselor, okay? And, but I'm definitely not a psychologist, and I'm definitely not a psychiatrist, and so I'm not going to deal, I'm not qualified to deal in those realms of the clinical side of this, okay? But if that's you, I say that, all that uh, to say, in a congregation this size, although you watching online from all over the world, some of you struggle with a clinical uh, anxiety disorder. Some of you struggle with clinical depression. And we want you to get help for that. Matter of fact, you're not helping yourself or you're not helping anyone else if you don't get help. You say, how do I know if that's me or if I've just got this garden variety deal that's I'm consuming me that I, is sinful, I need to get rid of. Well, I mean, the, the, do, do you, do you want to isolate yourself? I mean, do you just want to stay in the bed for days? I mean, the things that you really enjoy doing, you just don't want to do them anymore. I mean, is your, is your view of life just negative and it's not worth living? All those kinds of things. If those are things that are just dominating your life, come and talk to us. We would be your first step, okay? But then we will refer you to somebody possibly that can help you understand if there is some clinical issues, all right? So I just wanted to give that disclaimer because I'm just not, I could look to, folks, here's what I want you to understand about us at LifePoint, okay? We, we, we want to stick with the word, and I could look up, I could spend an hour on the internet, and I could research enough words to make you think, well, he knows sort of what he's talking about, and I don't know what I'm talking about in those clinical issues, all right? So we want to stick with the word. God has answers for everything in your life, and we believe he speaks to you about anxiety and about stress. Matter of fact, I know he does. He addresses it specifically in a couple of places. I mean, Matthew, uh, Psalm 27, Travis or Ed, that ought to be on replay. That ought to be on speed dial in, in, your, in your brain, Psalm 27, when it comes to anxiety. Psalm 27, amazing. Matthew 6. Greatest sermon ever preached. That's what we're going to look at. And our bottom line as we, as we look at this today is lay worry down, lift him high. Lay worry down, lift him high. You, I hope you, you're going to understand because what I'm going to deal with today is not going to be the clinical side. It's going to be the garden variety worry that most of us have. Okay? Most of us. Some of you legitimately have the clinical side of that. Most of us have the garden variety, which means we're consumed with something that's, that's taking up too much space in our head, and it's causing us to have headaches and backaches and insomnia and all those issues, and it, it's because we've got something out of place in our life, and we're going to talk about that. So, so let's dive in, and I want to I begin. Our focal passage today is going to be Matthew chapter 6. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest sermon ever preached because it's preached by the greatest preacher ever. His name was Jesus. And Jesus is helping people deal with some issues. And look at what he says in Matthew 6. I'm going to start out, and I'm just going to read verse 25 now. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Man, you ever thought the Bible is out of date? Just some old dusty book that was written a thousand, thousands of years ago that doesn't really speak into me? <laughs> Man, he's, he's living in your backyard, isn't he? I mean, he's living in your house. He's reading your email. I mean, do not be anxious about your life. Can it be any more relevant than that? Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So when we, when we see this, Jesus, here's what we need to understand. Jesus came, folks, that we might have life. And he said in John 10, 10, have it abundantly. That's why one of our mantras here is find life and then live sin, right? Find life means Jesus. Jesus is life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The only way to life. And I'm not talking about just your heart beating, right? I mean, you, your heart beats because Jesus gave you that physical life. But I'm talking about, man, I have life. Big, fat Greek wedding life. I mean, it's a party celebration, right? I mean, I love it. It's Jesus, right? And here's what Jesus knows. Worry is a silent killer. Anxiety sucks the life out of you. So it is antithetical to what Jesus came for you to have. It, it, it tries to battle what Jesus came to give you, life. And so therefore, Jesus said, I want you to have abundant life. I don't want you to, to, to be down. I don't want you to be just consumed and enslaved and eaten up by worry and anxiety. So don't be anxious and don't worry, Jesus said. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And my first thought when I read that, and your first thought should be, if you're thinking man, and you should be a thinking man or woman when you read the scripture, not just reading and going, oh, go, go, hold on a minute, Jesus. I, I mean, really, don't, don't be anxious, don't worry. I mean, is that realistic? Is your first thought not, is that realistic? That sounds idealistic. Don't worry. I mean, man, do you ever remember a time in your life when you didn't worry? I mean, worry uh, is, has taken up a whole lot of space in your brain, right? It's, it's, it's taken up most of your mind, right? And so you, you think, might think, well, to tell me not to worry is like telling me not to breathe. It's just impossible because it's in who I am. It's in who we are. Look at the world, right? But what I want to introduce to you today and what I want to hopefully help you think about today is that worry was not in your emotional DNA at creation. It was at your birth, but not at creation. So we got to go back to creation, Genesis 1. It wasn't in your emotional DNA when God created the world, because here's what God said. God, if you go to Genesis 1, it said God created the world, and it was good. Everything was good. Think about it. Think about what that means. When it says everything was good, think about what that means. There was no death. Wait a minute, I worry about death today. Why do I worry about death? They didn't worry about death in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve, because there was no death. Disease. We've already talked about some of you have maybe some chemical imbalances in your brain. Uh, you know what that's the result of? That's the result of sin. It's, it's because you live in a world that's broken. Not that you necessarily did anything to get that, but you live in a broken world, right? That's sin it's, that causes that. It's sin that causes a virus when you were throwing up. Last time you threw up, man, the next time you throw up, man, when you're heaving, and if you're like me, oh, I'd rather get hit in the head with a hammer than throw up. I, I'm just a baby when it comes to that, right? Probably really not, but I'm, I'm a baby, right? And, and when I'm throwing up, it's like, man, it should just cause you to curse sin. That's why you're sick right now, right? I mean, when you get up in the morning, when I, every time I'm in the hallway and, I, and, 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 and an elderly person passes me and I smell Bengay, I'm like, that's the smell of sin right there. <laughs> that's why they put that Bengay on, because those joints and those body aches, because of sin. You see, that wasn't a part of creation. It wasn't a part of creation. You know, an unfaithful spouse wasn't a part of creation. Adam and Eve, that, that, that was not a part of creation. There, there was no worry about the, 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 the marriage relationship. I mean, uh, jobs, they, they loved their job. They worked, they toiled, but it was not laborious. They didn't hate their job. The, the money, there was no more month than money. There was no working too many hours for too little pay. 
right? There was no bullies and no jackleg bosses in your life. And I mean, there, none of those things. I mean, there was no marital strife. Adam and Eve didn't fight. She never had a headache, if you know what I mean. There, there, was, there was never, uh, listen, listen to this lady. There was no cellulite. Did you know that? I mean, you could eat cheeseburgers and peanut butter milkshakes all day, every day, and never gain a pound. How about that? You didn't worry about that. There was no Nick Saban, for goodness sake, in creation, right? It's football season, boys. Hang on, right? There was no, listen, there was no, at creation, there was no worry. Why? Because there was nothing to worry about, right? There was no worry because there was no sin. And that was great, and it lasted all the two chapters, it lasted all the two chapters. By the time you get to Genesis 3, bam, it blew up. The wheels flew off, right? I mean, the wheels flew off. And Adam and Eve basically said, God, I love you and all, but, man, I, I really know better than you do about my life. What do you know about my life down here in the Garden of Eden, God? I mean, you only created it and you only created me. What do you know? I'm going to do my own thing. And they did. And as always, their sin didn't just affect them. Your sin doesn't just affect you, folks. It affects everybody in your orbit. You might think it does. Oh, this is, this is just me. No one's, no one's going to know. And your sin affects everyone in your orbit. And listen, every person who's ever born is in Adam and Eve's orbit because they're, all, they're our parents. Right? We go back to Adam and Eve. And they sinned. And guess what? At their sin, it affected all of us. And we were born with this sin nature that, that creates all these things that wasn't in creation, right? It, it, it just wasn't in, in, in creation. And so, you know, the point is, worry wasn't woven into how God created you, right? So it's not a natural reflex. It's a conditioned reflex, let me, let me help you understand the difference. Now, you know what a, a natural reflex is, right? I mean, you touch a hot stove and, well, I mean, get this. I don't know if you can see my finger, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's got a little blood underneath my finger now. Why? Because I hit the thing with a hammer. <laughs> Idiot. I hit it with a hammer, you know, and when I hit it with a hammer, I just didn't leave my finger there. What was the first thing when that hammer smashed? I jerked that finger back and I said, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> That's liar. Somebody just said, <laughs> see, because of Adam and Eve, I just sinned. I lied. <laughs> I was joking, actually. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, I, 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 but when you touch a hot stove, you jerk your hand back, right? That's a natural reflex. Friday, I was driving down the road to West Tennessee. I was taking, I was taking my dog to, to a, a trainer in West Tennessee. I, I was driving down the road, and Isaiah was with me in the back. And I mean, man, I'm going down the interstate. And man, I mean, man, I'm, I'm getting it down the road. I got to get down there and back. And all of a sudden, I see a cop car on the left. What's it, what do you think I did? Boom, man, I hit the brake. Now, that's not a natural reflex, right? I, I mean, that's a conditioned reflex. I, I learned how to do that. <laughs> cop, bam, right? So... That's what your foot does every time you see a cop because that's condition. That's a learn. My point is this. You, you had to learn to worry. Think about this. When you were born, you were born a sinner, okay? You were born with this condition from Adam and Eve, but you didn't worry when you were born because you had no cognizance. You, you didn't know how to worry. You were born naked as a jaybird. You didn't care, right? You were born naked. You couldn't bathe yourself. You couldn't feed yourself. You, 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 you couldn't change your diaper. You were completely helpless. Sounds a lot like a Kardashian, doesn't it? You, 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 you were born naked, helpless, totally helpless, and you didn't care. You, you had no concern. You didn't worry. 
Because listen, your mom fed, you cry. You got hungry, you cry. Your baby, some of you got brand new babies. Your baby's born, they're hungry, they cry. Feed me, right? Feed me. They're not worried. They're just, I feed, I'm hungry. I got a need. You feed them, they get full, they quit crying. At that moment, they don't go into, oh, where's my next meal going to come from? Where's my, is somebody, I mean, I, I don't have any money. Where's my next meal? They don't worry, man, I'm naked. They sort of like it, I think, right? I mean, they don't worry about, man, I mean, they're not worried about the stability of your parents' marriage at birth because you don't necessarily have the cognizant ability. But what happens because you were born a sinner, those things begin to play out in your life. And, and, and before long, you learn and, and you become consumed with things. Now, if you can learn to worry, you can learn not to worry. And I think that is helpful in what Jesus is, is telling us here because what Jesus said is, look at what Jesus said. He said, don't worry about what you eat or drink. Don't worry about what you wear. Now, I don't know if you know this, these are necessities, right? You have to eat to live. And if you don't wear clothes, you go to jail here, right, in our country. So these are necessities, all right? I mean, they're not just like 99.9, I would estimate, 99% of all the things that I worry about are not in the bucket of necessities. They're really not. I mean, the things that I worry about, man, I'm consumed with my child making the team is not a necessity. I'm consumed with whether I achieve this level of, of pay or this position, or I'm consumed with whether I get to get that thing or not. Uh, I'm consumed with whether I lose that thing or not. That's not necessity, okay? That's not necessity. But food, air, clothing, water, those are necessities. And most people in here, now this is still a, 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 around the world, this is, I, I mean, absolutely. Many people around the world, they don't know where their next meal's coming from. Many people don't know where their, I mean, what they wear is what they got, right? And so this real, but for people here in this room, maybe even watching, most of you probably have never saw, oh, where's my next meal coming from, right? We don't worry about what we're gonna eat. We worry about where we're gonna eat after church, right? Where am I gonna be able to get into? Pat shuts up, I'll be able to get there before everybody else, right? And so we, don't, we didn't get up this morning probably and go, man, I wonder what I'm going to wear today. I don't have anything to wear. I stood in front of my closet and said, which one of these mini shirts am I going to wear, right? And so, but for the first century Israelite, man, that wasn't the case. He woke up every morning wondering, what's my kid going to eat for breakfast? You know, he, he woke up and the clothes he had on, that was the clothes he had. And so this was a necessity. So, why would, so, so that puts it in perspective because everything we worry about or most things we worry about don't fall in the necessity bucket really, do they? I mean, most things, now some things do. Some things, man, you got a really bad diagnosis from your doctor and you're concerned. And, and so, so, man, I, that's a, life is a, you know, I mean, that's a, you can call that a necessity. But most things we worry about are not necessities, right? And so if Jesus said that about necessities, why? What is he saying? Well, here's what I think he's saying. His point is the value we assign to anything will determine how much stress or worry it causes in our life. The value that we assign to anything will determine how much stress and worry it causes in our life. Bottom line is what you worship will determine how you worry, okay? What you worship will determine how you worry. And if you make anything a false god, if anything's an idol to you, a false god, Here's where worry happens. Worry happens when false gods fail you, okay? I, this garden variety worry, I want you to understand. Worry happens. And so if there's something, and I'm not talking, let me, let me remember, I'm not into the clinical nature of it. So if you are really consumed about something today, I would, cause, I would, I would challenge you to go back and say, why? 
Why am I worried about my child making this team? Why am I worried about money? Why am I worried if I get that or if I lose that? Why am I worried about this job? Why? Why am I really worried? It's not like, okay, if I lose this job, there's a thousand other jobs, but could it be that I've made this job into something that it shouldn't be, maybe an idol because I've assigned too much value. Could it be that, you know, I've, I've made this amount of money or whatever? Could it be why? Uh-oh. So, so as you begin to look at this, I think what Jesus is saying here is that, that the value we assign to anything will determine how much worry it produces. And, and, and let me introduce this to you. Your worry meter will go up in direct proportion to the vulnerability of the thing that you value the most. I think it was Tim Keller that said something in that nature. Your worry meter will go up in direct proportion to the, to, the, uh, to the vulnerability. In other words, if something is vulnerable, if something is very vulnerable, you're gonna worry about it. Now, let me, let me ask you this, is money vulnerable? Man, it can be here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, the stock market can collapse, right? Your, your bank account can go south. Is your health vulnerable? Your kids, you, you know, are your kids vulnerable? I mean, think about it. If your kids are the ultimate value and, and, and your identity comes from your kids, then what you're doing is you're saying the decisions of an eight-year-old determine my life. <laughs> I mean, think about that, really, right? I, I, and so, so when you make anything a false god or an idol and a false god fails you, that's where worship comes in. Now, now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, as I said earlier, that there's not things in life that should concern you. When your child is sick and goes into the hospital, that causes concern. That's legit. I'd be concerned about you if you didn't worry about that, if you, that, that wasn't on your front of your mind, right? I mean, your, your spouse is thinking about walking. That should concern you. Right? You should bring these things to the pastors and let us pray for you to your community, to your, fo to your folks and say, man, brothers, pray for me. Sisters, pray for me. I mean, man, I I've got these issues going on and I need you to walk through. Now, that's the, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that things shouldn't be on your radar. But what I am saying is this, when you feel there's anything, if I don't have that, my life is nothing. I can't be happy without that. My life will be miserable without this then you're assigning wrong value to things and that's a false God, that's an idol. And when, you assign, when something's an idol and a false God, worry is when false gods fail you, okay? That's bad news for us, why? Because as John Calvin says, our hearts are idol factories. <laughs> we, we're good because you remember Adam and Eve, uh, that man, they, the wheels flew off and because the wheels flew off, we have a tendency to assign wrong value to just about anything and everything, right? We, don't th we think of idols as, you know, fat belly Buddhas and, uh, you know, rocks and wood and stuff like that. But idols is when we assign wrong value to anything but God, right? We do it with everything. We do it with money. We do it with our jobs. We do it with our kids, okay? We do it with sports, we can do it with our position. Our identity can be wrapped up. My identity can be wrapped up in me being a pastor, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. When I think about as I'm doing this and I'm praying and I'm, I'm letting the Lord work in me and preaching this sermon to me as I'm writing it, and I'm thinking, God, I, the you know what the biggest things that consume me and worry? Because I worry just like you. Do you know what worries me? Things to do with the church. You can, ask, you can ask my wife. You can ask Amy. The things that probably consume me more than anything are two things. The church and I, I mean, I, I, that, that worries me, man, this and this and this. And, and then I, I get down and, when I, and, and I, as your pastor, I mean, a little worry, like I said, is not bad. Paul said that he had anxiety for the churches, right, was upon him. And so that, that, that's a good thing. But when, I'm, when, I'm, when it consumes me, I have to come down and say, hold on a minute, Pat, is your identity wrapped up too much in being a pastor? Whoa, Pat, you got to do a little work on your life because that's not right. That's sinful. 
I've got an idol there if that's the case, right? I mean, is your identity wrapped up too much? And, 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 and so you, my kids, man, I worry about my kids. You know, your kids do this, you immediately go, oh, they're drug addicts, they're gonna be drug addicts. You know, I mean, you, you, you be consumed and, and, and you know, so, so you can do that with anything. And so how do you know? How do we know if money is an idol? Because you can make idol out of a money, out of money. And if and if you're consumed with money, here's what I would ask you today: If you are worried about money, now you have to have money to live, right? I mean, listen, money buys clothes, and aren't you glad you pay me so I could wear clothes today? Listen, you're you're you have to have money to eat, to buy food. So money, you have to have money. Money's not bad. The Bible doesn't say money's bad. It says the love of money. And and I guarantee you that if you're concerned about money, here, here's what I, it's it's probably an idol. I mean, because if you, I mean, how much money do you need? It may be like, okay, I'm not concerned really about money. It's about the money that produces the lifestyle that I want. And so how do, you, how do I know if I worship money? Well, I would say this, number one, do you tithe? Are you generous? If you're a believer, because this, this only is for the believer that are under this domain of, of God's kingdom. Do you tithe? Are you generous? You know, or do you go to bed? I mean, if not, it's like, whoa, hold on a minute. You're like Adam and Eve. God says, do this. Don't do this. They did what God said not to do. God says do this with money. You don't do this with money. Then, uh, you know, and, and, and so I'm not taking up an offering now. I'm, uh, so don't think I'm trying to manipulate you into that. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to deal with issues you live with and are, that are in your, in your inbox right now, okay? And many people struggle with money. Do you worship it? Do you tithe? Are you generous? Are you consumed with money? Are you consumed with getting more money? Are you consumed with, with keeping what you've got? I mean, are, are, are you consumed with money and things of money? And what are you worried about with money? Is it, is it really money or is it maybe a lifestyle that that money affords you? Is it a God in your life? Do you buy stuff? You know, uh, I mean, do you, do you, is buying stuff, having money to get stuff? I mean, so how do you know if stuff is a God in your life? You know, it could be money, it could be stuff. How do you know if stuff is a God? Well, are you obsessed with your stuff or with getting stuff? Are you obsessed with it? Let me, let me give you an example, man. I mean, I remember, you know, my very first car my dad got me was a 1966 Ford Mustang. I love that Mustang. I, oh, the stupidest thing I ever did is probably sell that Mustang, man. If I had that thing today, I love that Mustang, right? My buddy, he had, man, I don't know, it was a 1970 Pinto probably. Now, have you ever had a Pinto? Have you ever seen a Pinto? If you hadn't, you're not missing anything. But listen, I mean, let's, it's a beater car, Right? Now, we got in that beater car, and, man, he didn't care about that beater car. I mean, man, I remember one time we were flying across the parking lot about 2 o'clock one morning of uh, the, 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 the grocery store out from our house, and there was a service station, and in between was a ditch, and we didn't see it. And, man, he plowed into that ditch, and we came up, and I'm thinking, that just broke everything in this car. And, I mean, we were laughing. and going, boy, we had fun. You know, he wasn't worried about that car. But let me tell you something. You got a 1970 beater Pinto, you're not worried about it. You got a brand-new Chevy Silverado, I promise you. Allie Kate's sick, she's got a snotty nose, she ain't getting in that truck. <laughs> Do you see what I mean about the, how the value of something in your life it begins to control you, right? And so, so are, are you worshiping, you know, your, your, your stuff? I mean, do you, can you be happy without it? If I didn't have this truck, would I be happy? If I didn't have this house, would I be happy? No, that house, if I don't have that house, I mean, could be worshiping your stuff. Do, do I buy that thing? Even though if I buy that thing, I can't be generous and I can't tithe, but I'm going to have that thing instead. Could be worshiping stuff, right? 
What about your kids? Let's go a little bit deeper, okay? This is deeper. What, what about your kids? Man, how do we know we worship our kids? Now, last night I, was, I, I sort of thought about this, and I just I sort of Googled again. How do I know I worship my kids? I wanted to see what the world. Sometimes I go there because I want to know what the world says. But you know the, first, the very first thing that popped up when I Googled, how do we know we worship our kids? An article published by our very own Selma Wilson. And so I thought, well, all right, this is, I know, going to be based off of Revelation. So let me go read it. Here's what Selma Wilson said. Some signs that you may be making kids an idol. Selma is the mother-in-law of our Riverdale campus pastor and the husband of Rodney Wilson, our marriage counselor. If you need marriage counseling, we have that. Let, let us know. And so uh, been a part of our church here for the 25 years I have and a few before I got here even. And so, so uh, here, here's what she says. She says, you know that you're worshiping your kids and she says, you, if you need to make them happy, if your need to make them happy keeps you from appropriate discipline. In other words, if, you're, if you want your kids to like you so much or you want them to be happy and that keeps you from disciplining them appropriately, big word there, then you might be worshiping your kids. Uh, every conversation revolves around your kids. You know people, right? Every conversation revolves around their kids. Right, And so if, ever, if all you talk about your kids, you might be worshiping your kids. Your kids are an excuse for not going to church or not serving the church. Your kids or their activities, well, we don't, because I've got to keep my kid here. I've got to do this, my kids, right? Uh, you compare your kids to other kids all the time. And your kids are always superior, right? I mean, your kids are always superior. Your time, energy, and your focus says your kids mean more to you than your spouse. You know, if, that's, if your kids are before your spouse, this, this is a good sign that, that, that you worship your kids. And so he, he, here's the thing, all right? Here, here, here's, here's what I'm trying to introduce to you today to roll over in your mind. What is it that you worry about? Like I said, there's a lot of things, but what is consuming you today? Could it be that it's because you've assigned value to that thing that only belongs to God? Could it be that you've assigned value to that thing? And if you would say, you know what, this thing right here, I can't live without it. Uh, I would not be happy. I would be miserable. Life would not be worth living. I've got to have that thing. Everything else, I've got to have that thing. I mean, if those things are issues, it could be that you've assigned more value to something than you should. You've assigned value to something that only belongs to God, and your worry will go up. Your worry meter will go up in proportion to the vulnerability of the thing that brings the greatest joy in your life. Is money vulnerable? It can be here and gone. Are your kids vulnerable? Is your job vulnerable? Anything you can think about. Now let me ask you, is God vulnerable? No, God's not vulnerable. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need any of us. He, he, you know, he, God is large and in charge, folks. God's not vulnerable. And so, so uh, you know, it means anxiety when we look at this. If, if, we got, if we're consumed with it, we've, we, we're probably need to realize that there could be the failure of a false God in my life, which is a good thing about anxiety. A good thing about stress and worry and anxiety is that if you really think about it, it can help you identify some false gods in your life. It could help you identify some things that you may be worshiping or, or, or giving too high a value, okay? So let me go on and read uh, the rest uh, uh, of this um, chapter in Matthew. Look at what he says. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they are? Are you not more value than they are? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So here's, here's what Jesus it, it says here. Jesus says, look at how God, when, when it comes to worry, he says, you know, don't worry, all right? And then he says, uh, don't, don't worry. And I think he, he, he helps us to understand when he talks about food and clothes, what, what value you assign to things, you know, will, will determine, you know, how much worry you have over that thing. And then he says, let, let me help you with this. Think about the birds and the lilies. God takes care of them. If God takes care of them, how much more is he going to take care of you? In other words, folks, birds, let's take birds for example. Birds are insignificant when it comes to you. Right now, I know that you got a lot, a lot of animal lovers in the place, and that might make you go, "Whoa!" I mean, I'm an animal lover too. I love animals for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Okay, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm really an animal lover. I've got dogs, and man, I, we, we've got chickens at my house, and I'm an animal lover. But here's what I know about animals: right, they don't have a soul. Okay, so they are not made in God's image, and so animals are insignificant when it comes to you and God's economy, okay? God loves that. He created animals. So I'm not, so you animal lovers, don't go there on me, but here's what I'm saying. They're insignificant and God takes care of birds. Think about the birds. Birds live and birds die. Birds are born, birds live and birds die and in between they eat worms and fly into your glass windows, right? And God takes care of them. If God takes care of the birds, is he not going to take care of you? Right? And so, so, so his point here is, you know, in verse 32, he said, God knows your needs. So don't worry because God's in control, he says. God is in control. He takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of you, and he knows all your needs. Don't think you've got one need that God doesn't know about. God even knows your greeds. And some of those greeds, he might let alone to teach us some lessons, okay? So God knows every need you have, and he will provide for every need. Not greed, every need. Okay, and he knows that. And so Paul, I mean, here, I'm sorry, Jesus, Jesus is telling us that worry is disproportionate because God's in control and God is good and God is righteous and God rules and God reigns and God knows your needs and he has power and he can take care of your needs. Okay, that's what he says. So lift him a high, lay worry down, lift him high. You see, this is what we're coming down to because we're worried over money, we're worried over job. Lay worry down, lift him high. Put God in his proper place for the garden variety worry. Put God in his proper place, right? So God's in control, but then Jesus also says, you don't have to worry because you're not in control. You can't do anything about it anyway. That's why he says, who of you by worry can add a single moment to your span of life, right? How many of you have ever worried about anything and that worry took care of it? <laughs> right? I mean, you, you, he says you can't add a, a single hour to your life where he doesn't change anything. Your kid can go crazy. Your kid can go absolutely rebellious, prodigal. And, man, you ought to be concerned about it if that happens. And you ought to come to your pastors and to your community and you need to say, we need to pray for my child. We need to pray that God intervenes for my child. And you ought to pray for them. But, man, listen, can your worry change their heart? Absolutely not. Only God can change their heart. 
You can get a bad diagnosis, and you can worry. And you know what? When you get a bad diagnosis, you should come to your pastors, to your elders. You should come to the body. We should pray for you.